98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. China orders domestic airlines to suspend commercial operations of Boeing 737 MAX aircraft after an Ethiopian Airlines crash yesterday. The head of the professional teachers union calls for an independent probe into the suicide of a teacher at a Tin Wai school. And a court of Malaysia drops murder charges against an Indonesian woman who it had accused of murdering the half-brother of the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. China's Aviation Authority has ordered all Chinese domestic airlines to ground the latest version of the Boeing 737 for checks following yesterday's Ethiopian Airlines crash near Addis Ababa. A Boeing 737 MAX plunged into farmland, killing all 157 people on board, including a Hong Kong man who worked for the UN. Seven others were from the mainland. The Aviation Ministry said the Ethiopian disaster was similar to the fatal crash of the same type of aircraft in Indonesia last October. The BBC's Tom Burridge has more. The 737 MAX has been a huge success, commercially speaking, for Boeing. Four and a half thousand of the aircraft sold worldwide. But there's no doubt the crash of one of these aircraft off the coast of Indonesia back in October has raised uncomfortable questions. Now, I understand that Boeing's work to address the issues from that crash is ongoing. There is no hard evidence to link that crash to the crash in Ethiopia. But I think the overriding fact is that you have two of the very same aircraft crashing within the space of five months is incredibly rare. Ethiopia has declared a day of mourning for the 157 people killed in the crash and the Ethiopian Prime Minister has promised to publish the findings of the investigation to what he called a shocking and tragic accident. This eyewitness, Hab Tamutiku, saw the flight AET-302 come down. It was around 8 o'clock in the morning. The plane came in via the nearby mountain and we saw it crashing. It came directly from the sky, downwards. We heard a huge explosion. There was no fire before it crashed. But once it crashed, we saw a huge smoke blow out. The president of the Professional Teachers Union says the Education Bureau should independently investigate the suicide of a teacher at a Tin Choi Wai primary school last week. Feng Waiwa says the Bureau should also review its responsibilities and consider dealing with teachers' complaints instead of just labour disputes. He says schools may not always be the best place to handle complaints from teachers. Many problems are actually, uh, they expect to be uh, solved at the school level. But sometimes the problems are actually happen of the origin, maybe the management. Well, so uh, if they have to do the investigation themselves, I think that uh, for some cases it is not appropriate. The school's sponsoring body, the Tungwa Group, says it will set up an independent investigation over the death. Several protesters from the League of Social Democrats have marched to the Office of Former Chief Executives on Kennedy Road, accusing CPPCC Vice Chairman C.Y. Leung of lying. Mr. Leung, who preceded the Chief Executive, Carrie Lam, has said on his Facebook page that prosecutors did not avoid summoning him in an assault case involving the League of Social Democrats' Avery Ng. A High Court judge had questioned whether the Department of Justice deliberately kept Mr. Leung out of the case when it was ruling in favour of Mr. Ng's appeal against a conviction for throwing a sandwich in the direction of the former leader. Mr Ng was at the protest. Siwala made an effort to respond to my case uh, judgment and I found that his comment is unfounded and baseless. C.Y. Leung's comment, uh, I found it very surprising. He mentioned that he did not avoid trying to go to court and testify. But in reality, in our case, the DOJ has uh, used every single method 
to try to avoid putting Si Wai Leung on the witness stand. And I do wonder why Si Wai Leung can use Facebook to make these comments inside China. Optometrists say a survey they conducted shows that more than 95% of elderly people oppose a plan by the government to limit their use of medical vouchers to pay for optical services. In a survey conducted by the Hong Kong Association of Private Practice Optometrists, more than half of the 300 elderly people also said they would not pay out of their own pockets for an eye test if it's not covered by the government's medical vouchers. In a bid to curb abuses of the government subsidies, it's reported that elderly people will only be allowed to spend up to $1,000 of the vouchers on optical services every two years. Greg Wu is the association's founding president. If we are talking about uh, optometric service, it will impose a a big limitation to how the elderly can uh, use this money to see properly. And poor vision is always associated with, with fall, with quality of life. Okay, so we are actually opposing a limitation or a cap to the amount. A 33-year-old woman has died after reportedly being hit by a minivan in Taipo. Police say the woman was trapped under the vehicle and had to be freed by firemen, but she sustained multiple injuries and died at the scene. The 56-year-old driver has been arrested for dangerous driving, causing death. Police say the accident happened around 4 o'clock in the morning on Tolo Highway towards Fanling near Kwong Fuk Estate. Veteran anti-graft investigator Ricky Chu retires from the Independent Commission Against Corruption today for the second time. He first left the ICAC in 2010, but returned six years later when the anti-graft body was mired in controversy over the departure of a top investigator. There had been suspicions that she had been pressured to quit over a probe into the then chief executive, C.Y. Leung. Mr Chu says he has no regrets about coming back and defended the integrity of the ICAC. He had this advice for his successor, the assistant director, Ken Ho. He should be aggressive in innovation and meticulous in implementation. Be holistic in his consideration and finally be humble in learning his lessons. A Malaysian court has dropped the charges against one of the two women accused of murdering Kim Jong-nam, the half-brother of the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. From Kuala Lumpur, here's the BBC's Jonathan Head. No reason was given by the prosecutors for dropping the charges against Indonesian defendant Siti Aisha. She's now likely to be freed and allowed to return to Indonesia after spending two years in prison following the assassination of Kim Jong-nam at Kuala Lumpur International Airport. The prosecution had alleged that she was the first of the two women to smear a liquid on the North Korean man's face. But unlike her co-defendant, Vietnamese national Doan Thi Huang, who was caught on security cameras smearing a second liquid, believed to have activated the deadly nerve agent VX, there was less evidence against Siti Aisha. The office of the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, says talks with the European Union are deadlocked a day before the British Parliament is due to vote again on her deal for leaving the EU. Mrs May has been trying to change the word in guaranteeing an open border on the island of Ireland so that it will not tie Britain indefinitely to the EU. Western-backed fighters besieging the last patch of Syrian territory held by the Islamic State group say they've now entered the jihadist group's abandoned camp inside the village of Baghuz. The fighters of the Syrian Democratic Forces said the Islamists were now confined to a tiny piece of land under a mountain outside the village. An SDF spokesman, Mustafa Bali, said the offensive began with air and artillery strikes on IS positions. He estimated that up to 1,500 diehard jihadists remained inside. There are dead and wounded among the ranks of the terrorists. We cannot confirm the number. 
In general, the clashes are continuing. The operation will continue until Baruz is liberated and until the end of the terrorist military presence in that area. A new book has revealed that the former Afghan Taliban leader Mullah Omar hid in a house in Afghanistan for several years, less than five kilometres from a major US military base. Here's the BBC's Lise Doucette. It was often said the elusive Taliban leader was hiding somewhere in Pakistan, while US-led forces searched for one of the world's most wanted men. Now a book by Dutch journalist Bette Dam has revealed that Mullah Omar lived for years in a secret room in a house close to a major US military base in Afghanistan. US forces did search the house once, but never found him. Her findings are based on extensive interviews, including with the man who protected Mullah Omar until his death from illness in 2013. The Venezuelan government has told workers and students to stay at home today as many parts of the country remain without power. The longest blackout in Venezuela's history began late on Thursday. The BBC's Will Grant is in Caracas. Tensions are rising across Caracas, with some sporadic attempts at looting, especially at night, and some localised protests outside supermarkets. Varying estimates have been given of the number of dead as a result of the blackout, with a health rights NGO, Codevida, saying at least 15 people with serious kidney conditions had died because of a lack of working dialysis machines. Pregnant women and the elderly are particularly vulnerable in hospitals around the country. Venezuela's President Nicolas Maduro has accused the United States of hacking into the country's electric system. The opposition leader, Juan Guaido, blames government corruption for the blackout. The American three-time cycling world champion and Olympic silver medalist, Kelly Catlin, has died at the age of 23. Her family are quoted as saying that she killed herself. Here's the BBC's Chris Buckler in Washington. Kelly Catlin was part of the U.S. Women's Pursuit cycling team that won silver at the Rio Olympics and claimed three world titles. She also had success as an individual competitor and was studying for a degree in computational and mathematical engineering. The 23-year-old was found in a room on campus at Stanford University by another student and, according to reports, there were no signs of foul play. The president of USA Cycling, the governing body for the sport, has described her death as an immense and devastating loss. A woman who stepped over a barrier to take a selfie at a zoo in the US state of Arizona has been attacked by a jaguar. When she tried to photograph herself with a big cat, it clawed her through the fencing, leaving deep gashes on her arms. The Wildlife World Zoo director said the barriers were there for a good reason. Business news now, and the lawyer of former Nissan chief Carlos Ghosn is seeking court permission to attend a board meeting at the Japanese automaker while he's out on bail. Nissan is scheduled to hold a board meeting tomorrow afternoon. The firm was unable to confirm if Mr Ghosn was seeking to attend the meeting, but said it was up up to the court to decide. Nissan removed Mr Ghosn as chief shortly after his shock November 19 arrest, but he cannot officially be removed from his seat on the board without a shareholder meeting. Finance now and currencies. The US dollar stands at 111.11 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 18 cents. A short while ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 28,429. That's 200 points up on the previous close. Market turnover was $60.1 billion. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung. 
We start with football in the English Premier League, where Liverpool kept up the pressure on leaders Manchester City by coming from behind to beat Burnley 4-2. The visitors went ahead after six minutes, but Liverpool fought back to claim three points with Roberto Firmino and Sadio Mane each scoring twice. Manager Jurgen Klopp says his Liverpool side will not be easily beaten. It was good. Four to surprising result. Huh? We knew it's it's really difficult against Burnley. Always it was always for us, but we most of the time we could win, and we always felt really um, we felt the work we did, and so that's how it should be. We had only to make sure that we that we stay in a, a really interesting competition on top of the table, and so the message for today: nobody gets rid of us if we if we play. As we played today, because we had we had the perfect mixture from fighting the opponent, fighting the circumstances, and playing football. So that was really good. I liked it. Arsenal beat Manchester United 2-0 to move above their opponents and into the top four. Granit Xhaka and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang provided the goals. Here's Arsenal boss Unai Emery. I think Manchester United is a very good moment, very good players. But today we created a big, a big atmosphere here, and, and after we were playing very competitive in 90 minutes, finding our moment, and also I think we, we deserved this this victory. It took an injury time goal from Eden Hazard to deny victory for Wolves against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Raúl Jiménez put the visitors in front before Hazard scored late to rescue a one-all draw. Chelsea manager Maurizio Sarri says his players must learn to break teams down. I think that uh, we were unlucky because uh, we considered the goal in the first uh, situation inside our box after 55 minutes. Made mistakes because today we had uh, to play against a team uh, that uh, didn't want to play, and so they they stay in the last 25 meters uh, for all the match. And we need to do better in this uh, in that kind of uh, of situation. I think. To the NBA, where the Toronto Raptors were raining threes in Miami on Sunday. A club record 21 three-pointers were made in their 125-104 victory against the Heat. Kyle Lowry had a game-high 24 points. Half of his 10 assists were used to set up the three-ball. The Raptors became the 19th NBA team this season to break or tie a franchise record for threes in a game. Meanwhile, the league-leading Milwaukee Bucks blew a 15-point lead in San Antonio and lost 121 to 114. Lamarcus Aldrich and DeMar DeRozan stepped up for the Spurs with 29 and 28 points respectively. Milwaukee's lead over Toronto now down to two games. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. China orders domestic airlines to suspend commercial operations of their Boeing 737 MAX aircraft. The head of the professional teachers' union calls for an independent probe into the suicide of a teacher. And a court in Malaysia drops murder charges against an Indonesian woman who it had accused of murdering the half-brother of the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un. The news from RTHK. Dancing